Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Small Council, where we talk about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, Tonight, we are going to be going over the Northern Realms Gaming Tabletop Simulator Tournament, or uh, you could just call it the NRG TTS Tournament. Uh, There's only a couple weeks left, so we're going to be going over the update of kind of what's been going on, you know, who's undefeated and how everything's kind of stacking up. Uh, With us tonight, we have Brett, Jose, and Justin, and Chris, I believe, will be coming on in a little bit. And we also have a special guest with us, Nick from Mythicos Studios. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. So uh, definitely nice to have you on to kind of give your you know viewpoint of everything that's going on. Uh, you're in the tournament, correct? I am. I am. I'm doing awesome. uh, yeah, and, and Brooke, okay. I believe you are fantastic. as well. <laughs> yes, I'm in it as well. Awesome. So, yeah, we could probably uh, kind of get your guys' viewpoints on, you know, some of the stuff that you've faced maybe some of the um, players that you've played against. So, but yeah, tonight um, we're going to just be going over, uh, you know, kind of a lot of the stats and uh, the percentages on how well certain things are doing, either the factions or just the players, maybe some of the units and whatnot, uh, and just kind of see how everything stacks up. So, uh, Nick, uh, what's some of the stuff that's kind of stuck out uh, for you for, uh, this tournament? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess generally, uh, you know, we've been, I think we've been hearing about it a lot for the past maybe six months, but, uh, and we've seen it for a long time now, particularly in the sort of quote unquote European meta, but just really experiencing how, uh, how homo- or ubiquitous now having three NCUs is. I mean, I don't think I've played a, against a single player that did not run three NCUs. Um, I've won two games. I've lost two games. So, you know, it's been pretty split whether I've beat someone with three NCUs or not. Uh, but by and large, I just feel like, and, and maybe, Brett, you could uh, talk about this a little more, but how many players are just running three NCUs and just how people seem to really believe that is one of the most important things to do right now in list building is to make sure you have uh, three as opposed to two. I, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think the, the, the jury is still out on it. We actually have a stat for this. Uh, all of these stats and we'll, we'll shout them out at the end of the show as well. All of these stats have been provided for us by Carlo from a song of ice and fire stats and uh, his partner, Mickey. So, I really appreciate them giving the, us those stats, but the actual number for three NCU versus two NCU matches is um, it's a 64% win rate. So when a person takes three NCUs and plays against somebody that has two, they're winning 64% of those matches, hmm. at least in this event. So that tells you – now, obviously, the stats are just a number – Everything is 100% based on the list and the person playing it, the person playing it more so than anything else. But what that seems to tell me is that not necessarily the person with three NCUs has an upper hand, but it does seem to have 
a little bit of an advantage, and I think that will tie into the other stat that we'll cover later. But it, I think it has to do with the activation. So with the with the recent change to the NCUs being able to spin their activation and not even go on the board, which I'm of the opinion that it was a a, a way to rein in wildling diplomacy, because once the direwolves became worth a victory point, uh, it was almost like you were bleeding a point to free folk just because they brought Mance Raider. So as an, mm. maybe an unintended consequence of that is, now when you have three NCUs, you're getting those three in, three activations no matter what, so you're able to wait your opponent out a little bit. I personally like it. It's not just for that, what I just mentioned, but it's also if you've played against some of the zone replacement effects, you, you, you found out just how debilitating it can be when you can't put pressure on them to make a decision or telegraph their play. Mm. Uh, for example, if Dark Player has Sudden Charge, and you're in a position to block them out of the board, they either have to start going to the board and activating, or they have to activate their NCU and do nothing, which telegraphs the fact that they have a sudden charge to play because they need that zone open to play the card. So creating that type of pressure is important against Starks and Free Folk in particular, and then Lannisters with Gregor, because those zone replacement cards literally bust the game wide open. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I guess just playing in in this tournament and playing against a lot of really good uh, European players that have been playing three and CUs for almost since the beginning. I'm guessing like you you really feel that a, a third NCU actually offers a lot more board pressure than a fifth combat unit in a lot of instances. And I actually, I was a little surprised by that. Um, so that's been really, I don't know, it's been cool to see. And definitely, I, I almost wish this tournament was like a league instead of a tournament, just because after playing even like the first match, I was like, oh, I got to try Walder with Joffrey as like a third NCU, just because I, I can I can tell how much kind of pressure uh, a third NCU can bring. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's my big takeaway, I guess. I I think a big part of it, uh, too, uh, Brett kind of alluded to, right, activations. Uh, NCUs are almost, what, in every situation except a handful of units are cheaper, and then there's commanders that are completely their own activation for free. So that helps out a lot, too, because activations, as everyone knows, are one of the most important things in this game. I don't think that could be really argued with. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely high activation meta right now. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> the stats uh, definitely show that showcase that pretty well. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can transition to that in a bit, but um, even though you guys aren't playing in this event necessarily, I'm still curious to hear what what where you guys stand. I know Dave has his own rule about spending points on NCUs, so I've been yeah, using more I mean, and more lists. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, you're good. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, my general rule of thumb is uh, usually no more than eight points, sometimes nine points. But, I mean, it's not like a hard and fast rule all the time. For example, I think I mentioned this in the uh, Baratheon uh, show. My Baratheon lists almost always have three NCUs when I can help it because for them, I find it to be a lot more important than some of my other uh, faction lists, for example, Starks, 
I rarely feel like I need three uh, MCUs to, you know, make my game plan work. And so for a list like Starks, that's where I think uh, more often than not, I almost never point mark unless, like, I have that extra point and I want to run, like, Walder and uh, and some other 4-point NCU. What were you going to say, Justin? I was going to say, uh, most of the games I've played recently, uh, I've played, what, three games recently? I think all three have been uh, three NCU games, and I just I definitely feel more comfortable using three NCUs now. Um, even neutrals and then Baratheons. I'm maybe in love with Courtney Penrose, so that'll be happening a lot. I find it I find it difficult to squeeze in three usually if the, if the commander is not an NCU. Like usually if the commander is an NCU, I'll always have three. But if it's if the commander is not, I find it really hard. I mean, I, ideally I think I would like to, but. Uh, I find it I find it hard to do it though, especially with the especially for me with the Baratheons. Um, like as a Spanish player, you know, running Mel is already five points, you know, so that's uh, it's always tough. I think in some of the more armies that lead towards like an elite side, so like Night's Watch, I feel like Baratheons kind of do as well. Um, so I find it kind of hard to always squeeze in three and to use. Yeah, at first I definitely uh, found it hard to fit them in in almost any situation. And even with NCU commanders, a lot of the times I was just taking those extra points and putting them into my uh, combat units. But uh, I've tried to, like, you know, get away from that. I'll, uh, so when I bring an NCU commander, normally I will take it upon myself to make sure that I'm trying to run three if I can, uh, whether it be like Holland with uh, Arya and uh, Sansa or whatnot. But. So, um, I guess, how many uh, NCUs are we looking at for the top list? So it looks like first place has uh, three NCUs in both lists. Second place currently has three NCUs in both lists. Uh, third place, three NCUs in both lists. Fourth place, three NCUs in both lists. So let's just keep going until we... Fifth place, three NCUs in both lists. I mean, I think that kind of says something right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sixth, sixth place. Same thing. Seventh place, same thing. Uh, it looks like pretty much all the top lists. Okay, the very first one is 10th place. Has one with three NCUs and one with two. Ninth place through first place. All have, every list has three NCUs. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. While we're on the subject of NCUs, do you guys want to hear some of the stats on some standout NCUs? Oh, is this a side transition? Yeah. Shush. Not a lot to talk hit about. You with some, I'll hit you with some interesting <laughs> ones, and then um, we can all do a hot take, I guess, on, on if any of these surprise you at all or, or how you feel about it. So I'll kind of go through them slowly. Walter Frey is currently at a 68% win rate. 
They have excluded mirror matches in, in pretty much all of these stats because it's going to skew the number. Obviously, if it's a mirror match, it's going to be 50-50. It, it messes up the stats. Mm-hmm. Varys sits right behind Walter Frey at 67% win rate. Other comparative high NCUs, of course, with mirror matches excluded. Um, Courtney Penrose has been used 11 times. He has won eight of those 11 matches. Marjorie Tyrell has been used 15 times. She has won 10 of those 15 matches. Mance Raider, the artful tactician, has been used 13 times. He has won eight of those matches. Arya, this is ridiculous. Arya has been used 49 times. She's won 26 of those matches. Sansa has been used 59 times. She has won 29 of those matches. This one was the big shocker for me. Tycho, who I'm rather fond of, has been used 24 times and has only won seven of those matches for a mere 29% win rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not surprised, actually, about the Tycho figure. I, I think, you know, he's one of those cards that reads super strong, but I think he's a little more situational than people are kind of using him for. Like, you know... Joffrey, for instance, definitely obviously really benefits from Tycho right now just because now they can heal. They only have eight wounds. Or using it on like really heavy armor units or like very attrition lists, I think Tycho is just so annoying. But, you know, I've been seeing him used. Um, I played one game where I ran uh, Knights of Castle Rock into Cutthroats. I think it was like round one or something, or be- right at the beginning of round two. The Cutthroats had one wound left, and they used uh, they used Tycho just to kind of get the Cutthroats back up, uh, which yeah is, is powerful. But you know you have to use Tycho's pressure appropriately, or else I'm just going to attack you back again. And on a unit with five five up save, you know you're gonna take a lot more wounds again. So you know I, I think he's can be used a little too like like. He, he makes you a little too comfortable, I think, depending on your list. And I think you have to really use him a little bit more strategically or else you'll just end up popping him. And now you just have a pretty, you know, you've kind of got a useless NCU for the rest of the game. I I think that's, uh, you're completely right. And I was telling uh, someone earlier that I think a big part of it uh, comes down to like point efficiency for what you get. Like while five wounds in the right situation can be amazing, at the mm-hmm. end of the game, it's still only five wounds when other NCUs throughout the course of a game are going to be healing a tremendous amount more, depending on the NCU. Yeah, sure. I mean, I just, exactly, it's, I think it's about not every list needs to heal five wounds. Like, you're, like in that instance, I was killing a five-point unit, or I guess it was seven uh, in that instance because of the attachment, but killing a five-point unit with an eight-point unit, and then you just spent another almost four points, essentially, to really use that awesome effect to kind of keep them going, where you could have spread those points a little bit more around to to get more efficiency over the course of, a, or, of the game. Um, and I think sometimes you just have to let the squishy stuff die and uh, really save those once per games on those like situations that are going to matter a lot more or on an attrition unit that 
just makes your opponent waste so many activations trying to kill. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. I think Tycho is essentially just trickier than he looks. Uh, definitely, I felt that way too. This is the first time I've ever played with him. Is is using him in this tournament, so he was he's definitely not as like cure all as he seemed to me. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I uh, I really enjoy him. And I think he's I think he's good, even though the stats may not kind of reflect that. I think it just comes down to what you have to use him on. So before Flademen kind of got their bit of a nerf, uh, healing five wounds on a two-up save or a three-up save, something that's tanky, uh, is amazing. Healing five wounds on a cutthroat. I mean, it's you're healing five wounds on a five-up save, seven-up morale. So I think it really just comes down to what Tycho has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're running a bunch of uh, Rose Knights and you can, you know, heal across, like, three different Rose Knights, like one wound each or so, you know, give, you know, give or take, uh, you'll be able to trigger all those effects. You know, something like that would be a pretty cool combo and, you know, could make him definitely worth his points. So it really just comes down to the list building. So I guess it would, come, it would, uh, you know, we would have to see out of those 24 times he's been played, uh, how many of those lists he was combined with, uh, you know, a unit where he could really make, you know, make up for his four points. Sure. Four point I mean, the, the five wounds is strong, sure. But like you're saying with Rose Knights, let's say you have three units of Rose Knights. I mean, the fact that you can spread those wounds across all of your units, I mean, you can proc their ability, you know, three times. Uh, that's like a ridiculously powerful kind of tricky maneuver uh, that could really shift the tide of things. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's just a lot more situational than he seems. Not everything needs to heal five, I guess, is... Yeah, again, my my point. I think a lot of people also become, uh, again, this would just depend on, on the people who are running him, what their lists look like. But I know I've seen a lot of other lists uh, that have posted online where, uh, you know, they just want to run as many things that heal as possible in their list, and they just kind of throw Tycho in there because he heals and not necessarily because he meshes well they have a tanky unit where he's going to, you know, shine and, you know, definitely be worth his, uh, his points. Sure. So yeah, agreed. And I think again, he, a lot of lists I've been seeing are three NCU four combat units. And, and I think it can be a little scary running four combat units because if you lose one, chances are now the board is going to be very one-sided uh, where you have a whole half of the board that's probably not very well covered. So I think you'll see a lot of Tycho as this, like, oh, man, I only have four combat units. Like, I need to try to keep them alive as long as I can. Uh, so that's that's my guess as to why maybe you see Tycho a lot. But in reality, there's just better ways to spend those points, uh, I think. Were you well, guys... No, I'm going to change the topic, so go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to ask, Nick, uh, so what do you think uh, about um, 
like wolves then do you really do you count them because you're talking about uh the four combat units and you know maybe having three ncus instead of that fifth one are you counting like wolves in that five uh like so for example my main list has four actual combat units like four you know infantry units and two wolves but then has two mm-hmm. ncus are you still counting that as like your your four combat unit type list I think it depends. I mean, look, I mean, like brand skin changing is just so strong and it really kind of makes a wolf very much a combat unit in and of itself. Uh, I think, I think it definitely depends. I mean, look, I've seen, and I'm just like always wolves are still capping points and are still used very flexibly to kind of, uh, kind of push the tide in your favor and, and out activating your opponent. So, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure if I would kind of consider it like a true like fifth combat unit, um, but you know they're not too great at holding objectives if obviously they're contesting against someone else. Um, and even if you just have like a wolf on one side, it does, definitely doesn't necessarily feel like you've got like the left side of the board covered if your other three units are on the other side. Um, so. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm thinking more in terms of five like actual twelve wound or eight wound combat units, but but uh, as I'm sure Brett will cover a little later, wolves definitely make a big difference just by having those extra activations. Like like they kind of have always been a huge asset. Yeah, and I've kind you of are- struggled with with whether or not to uh, you know try to skim some of the points to run a third NCU, but the only way to do that would, the only good way to do that in my list would be take out one of the dire wolves. So essentially I'd be swapping activations. So mm-hmm. it's whether or not I want that extra uh, dire wolf out there for, um, you know, capping a point or that extra NCU, but you know, it's all kind of give and take, or are you going to say, uh, uh, Brett, before we move on to Jose. Oh, no, I was just confirming that I have more stats for you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll jump over to Jose real quick, and then we'll uh, get into some more stats. Yeah, I just really quick, I just wanted to say uh, or ask you guys if you were surprised by Arya um, with the win, with people taking her as often in the win rate that she had. Because, uh, like, me personally, I mean – I like Arya because she's three points, but usually, like, she's never, like, a go-to MCU for me. Like, if I'm using her, it's, I think, because I want something else, like, like, cereal or something. So, I'm, like, I'm curious, out of those lists, how many had, like, Arya exclusive things, like cereal or Jackin? Um, I don't, I don't know, know if you know that or not. I don't have the exact number on hand, but I can assure you that um, in in a lot of lists that include Aria, they have Serio. Um, Jockin okay, yeah. Prisoner has only been in one list that I know of, possibly two, but he's not overly popular. But definitely, yeah. I mean, he's, no, that, that, he's that, amazing. That <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you because like for Starks, they have a lot of good NCUs, and so like Aria, I mean, although she's good. I don't think she's like ever a go-to unless you want something else that she brings. So that's why I was curious about it. 
Yeah, I so think, Brett, I think... uh, go ahead. I was just going to say you can uh, go on with any of the other stats that you got. Okay, I'll just touch one more thing on Aria, and then and then I'll move on. I think for for me in particular, I mostly brought her as a cheap fill-in so I could get the units that I wanted on the board and still have a third NCU. Mm-hmm. With that said, she if you save her for for later in the game. She's actually way more clutch than she seems to be. So there have been several situations where I've won my game on the back of my Berserkers, and that is because I drew Swift Advance late in the game, and Aria, whoop, 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 six, Swift Advance, whoop, 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 six, and now I'm in your rear. So it went from a front charge with Aria and the card, it became a rear charge, and it was game-breaking. So that's my experience with her. So I I think a lot of people have the tendency to kind of pop her early, like, I'm just going to use this right now, get into charge range, and take this charge in the front. But I think you find out when the game is really, really on the line, she becomes huge if you've got those infantry units disengaged. So that's what Mm -hmm. I try to save her for. But we can move on. Um, let me pull up the next stat we're going to discuss. Sorry to interrupt. Um, well, it's kind of along the same lines. We're going to talk about the number of activations. I'm just going to read these out loud again, and I'm sure we won't be overly surprised, but it, the, the stats provide a number, but they also kind of tell a story that, that it's not as mandatory as you would think. So players who were out-activated by four or more won zero games. Players who were out-activated by three or more won four games. Players who were out-activated by two, or it's not four or more. It's out-activated by four, they won zero. Out-activated by three, they won four. Out-activated by two, they won eight. Out-activated by one, they won 26. Equal activations, they won 37. Um, Ahead, of activations by one is 23, two is 19, three is five, and four is one. This doesn't make sense. Hold on. Winner, How does equal activations win 37% of the time? Should that what it is? Those are percentages. <laughs> yeah, it would be 50%. Some, somebody help me with this. Winner amount of activations relative to loser equals, and then, and then it's the number of wins. So if the winner was yeah if the winner was negative, uh, I'm, I'm screwing this up. <laughs> I think I read it. I think I read it properly. If you're down in activations by four, you've won zero games. If you're down in activations by three, you won four games. Just as I read it. That's Sorry about that. That wouldn't make any sense though, because then uh, at the bottom end of the spectrum, if you're up four activations, it should be. Well, I think it's just showing that that's kind of a rare occurrence, I'm guessing. That's kind of what it means. Like, you don't really see too many instances where there, you have four or more. Uh, but I could be reading that wrong myself. Wow. I really botched this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, You're I not even drunk yet. Classic Brit. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> it made sense when I read it, and I, I think I think that I I think that I read it correctly, and I think Nick is correct. I think 
players out activating their opponent by four is so rare. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just number of games, it's not percentages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's number of games won. So I read it correctly, yeah. so screw you. Yeah, so, no, you're fine. I just <laughs> looked at it. I'm like, what? This is simple. <laughs> so it would be like a free poke player, 12 to 8 activations, and they, they won that one game, but it was probably only one game won, if that makes sense. And then the zero is the opponent that was down by four. And then the opponent that was up by three won five. Now I've got it. The opponent that was up by three won five out of the oh, – never mind. I don't have no, it. No, you don't have it, Britt. <laughs> I think – all right, let me try to – let me try to – let me try to interpret what, what We're gonna Brett, go on a crazy graph is right trying now. to tell us. I think, I think what it's trying to say generally, though, is, I mean, more wins are to be had if you have more activations than your opponent. Obviously, more than three activations is kind of rare, where you know, where you see so many four act four combat units and three NCUs, so it's generally seven. So the chances of you having you know, ten or eleven activations, unless you're free folk, you know, isn't seen too often. So there's not enough stats to truly kind of compare that. But I'm sure if you had plus four activation, you know, if you had four more activations on your opponent in a hundred games then we'd kind of have a better kind of picture as to what that looks like as an added kind of win rate. But I guess looking at this, Carlo. Uh, looking at this myself, it, it definitely seems like there is a significant advantage to have more activations uh, based on the, the amount of wins that exist in this chart, I guess. Carlo, is well, he's, he's in my inbox <laughs> correcting me on what we're saying. He said um, they are exact numbers. You just want to give percentages. If you have two-plus activations, you win 70% of the time. If you're up to it, 70% wins versus down two is a 30% win. That's the gist. We can make it really simple and say that Carlo is really good with numbers, and he has uh, determined with his chart that Players with the higher activations have a higher win percentage. It's not impossibly difficult, but and two is a magic number, he's saying. So 70% wins if you have two more activations versus 30% wins if you're down two activations. Got it. And I am so sorry that we completely botched these numbers. I think Brett's embarrassed now. Because I don't think anybody's overly surprised by that. Let's talk about some units, um, and, and, and we might find some of these surprising. Stormcrow Mercenaries have been played 21 times. Uh, this, again, excludes mirror matches. They have won 15 of those for 71%. Stark Outriders have been chosen 30 times. They have won 21% of, 21 of those matches for 70%. Holy Cav have been played 25 times. They've won 16 of those matches for a 64% win rate. Summer has been played 38 times, 22 wins, 58%. Gray Wind, 33 times, 19 wins, 58%. Shaggy Dog, 43 times, 24 wins, 56%. So our three Stark Dire Wolves, uh, just slightly above 50% win rates. Worst unit of relevance, and I'm sure Justin is going to be super surprised by this, Oh, here we go. Blademan. Oh, Blademan. here we go. <laughs> 21, 21 games. 
they have won seven of those 21 for a solid 33%. I quit. Who wants to buy my neutral army? <laughs> they are in some Baratheon matches, and I the I played Jason, who's a fantastic player, and he brought Flademan. I would like to say that I just barely edged him out, but unfortunately, I I kicked your Flademan in the teeth as well. So <laughs> I, I hurt their numbers in, in my last match, but he played an excellent game. It came down to the very last activation, and it was those Berserkers that did him. So. Not to say that played men are terrible. These are just the numbers we're working with. But I'll say I, it. What are, I, I want to hear some feedback on it. From me? <laughs> <laughs> From all of you. That's, that's the idea of the show. Is that I, somebody we'll save the best for last. So Justin on. will go last. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think I, uh, I, I am surprised that played men are the worst unit uh, for percentage-wise. Uh, now, Well, they're the worst unit of relevance. So I think he states that because um, I think maybe a unit like Raiders or something are, are going to kind of skew that number. But uh, oh, Blademan were a standout unit of relevance. So. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, I guess thirty three percent. I mean, you're looking at uh, one third, you know, uh, win rate. I think that's about where I would have put them. So I guess uh, with that said, then you know, I'm, I guess I'm not really that surprised. Pro Mercs, though, um, not a huge fan of them, and I'm I'm really surprised by them more than anything else on this list. I'm exactly in the same boat as you, Dave. Uh, I don't think they're, like, a horrible unit, but they just don't, like, do a lot except, um, you know, camp objectives. Or, I guess, isn't there a fair amount of Stark players, so I think they're really valuable on a Stark list? Maybe that's why the numbers are the way they are? I think there are some people that are that are using, in particular, using the Stormcrow Mercenaries to bring uh, Rickon. But in one of my games, I played a Howland Reed list, and he brought the Stormcrow Mercenaries to to bring Mira, and uh, it ended up actually working out pretty well for him. They didn't die, and that is the dude who beat me. So, uh, interestingly, they were they were in the list. So, uh, they didn't do much as far as the fight goes, but I think probably the reason that they're seeing so many games is because maybe the, uh, the attachment caddy is a little bit more important. Nick is actually running them, so he would be the person to chime in on this. I am not surprised that Stormcrow Mercs are so good because they are so good. I, I love them. I really, really love them. I also, it's actually one of the reasons why I went Joffrey is just, uh, and pre- to preface this, I think Stormcrow Mercs are one of the best kind of models in the game. I think the poses are really nice. I, I just think they look really freaking cool. Um, I love adaptive as a rule. I think it's strong. I think it's really strong, particularly in Lannisters. I mean, you could run like spammy high sparrow list where you just have a ton of Stormcrow mercs with freaking assault veterans for free. And uh, it's yeah, I think they're really strong. I think they're really strong, particularly with uh, with Joffrey. It's one of the few instances I've seen in the game where you've kind of got ditto ditto effects stacking. Uh, so I've been running them with uh, with an assault vet. So 
you know, they, they they get plus one to hit and plus two dice, which and I get it for free. So it's I think it's nine dice on threes, uh, which is pretty good. Consider they have a four up save, so they'll probably live like an initial attack. Uh, uh, Stack that with uh, you will obey me, and now you're hitting uh, what is it, 11 hits on twos for five points. Uh, really not bad at all. Um, I think they're also particularly strong um, in uh, Fire and Blood because oftentimes people will just kind of like dump the token on them because they'll assume they're kind of the, the worst unit in the list. But I think very quickly, all of a sudden, even without Joffrey, now you're hitting... Uh, Eleven dice on threes with the with the uh, with the token. So I think they're a little bit of like a sleeper unit. Plus they get that free attack. Uh, yeah, I think if you've got good pressure, they're they're very good. I think with Peter Baelish, they're very good. If you don't, if you don't, or uh, once per game uh, champ or uh, NCU's that don't need the bag necessarily are just going to use an additive effect and getting that free attack uh, at, to replace the zone. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're really good, and they give you a lot of options uh, with free NCU's or free attachments. Uh, I mean, let me ask if you think that. Uh, well, how many do you have in? How many do you use in this league? One. Yeah, just just one. Do you think there's too many opportunities where more than one of them is very effective? Mm, so I've only ever used one of them. The seven morale definitely hurts. Um, particularly in, you know, scenarios where, you, like someone earlier was saying, like you kind of use them as an objective taker. If you drop the token, it kind of sucks. Um, or the objective, I mean. And I think there's, what, two scenarios where you can do so by just failing a panic test. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I think running more than one in a lot of instances is a little overkill. And maybe it's good if you're trying to get cheap wolves or, or something, but uh, by the most part, I just think uh, they're that awesome kind of little five point. Just you have extra points. You're either going to go a third NCU or you want a combat unit, and uh, you can get a lot more juice out of them than, uh, than I think people initially expect. Um, I can say I'm. I guess I'm pretty surprised, but I think, uh, and this has basically been said, but it's really faction dependent on if they're good or not. Because I play in neutrals, and then I'm starting to play Baratheons more. And I know for a fact they're not useful in neutrals. Uh, there's there's no really good attachments to throw on them that make them worth their points. Um, and in Baratheons, I haven't really tried, but I don't feel like Baratheons have a need for something like that. Um, yeah, agreed. I, you already have such a good five-pointer. Mm-hmm. And with neutrals, uh, I'm not going to take them over Cutthroats, which is the five-pointer. Same stats, basically, just one more defense and way worse at killing things, and that's where... Bolton's really kind of swing for the fences. Um, but I think yeah, definitely in Starks and Lannisters, they're exceptionally powerful, or they can be exceptionally powerful. But they're still, uh, I don't know, risky may be the right word, because they can still be uh, relatively one-shot easily. Yeah, if you definitely stack on them or, you know, Vicious really hurts them, uh, that's not a bad unit for Flayed Men to uh, smash into. Although it seems like Flayed men shouldn't be smashing into anything based on these stats. So, well, that's because they <laughs> suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're they're definitely not my favorite anymore. Good thing I've got three <laughs> painted units of them. Yep. So do I. <laughs> well, just one, but still, I, I own four <laughs> units. 
back in the uh, back in the just running four of them cheese when they were two up save. I'll admit I was one of those people. I think I did that once, <laughs> and I felt like a very bad person. Mm-hmm. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> You never feel like a bad person, don't lie. Yeah, you're right. I left. <laughs> so, uh, Jose, what do you what do you think about uh, the Flayed Man and the Stormcrow Mercs? Um, well, so I think as far as Stormcrows go, uh, I think you guys kind of really I, I share the same opinions as you guys as far as those go. Uh, the Floydmen, um, I guess the original question was if you're surprised that their ratio, um, I don't think I am. Um, you know, I think with, I think they're a lot easier to handle than they used to be. So I don't, I don't know. I don't find them to be a big threat. So I, I'm not super shocked, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if anyone said they they, they were, but I don't think I'm super shocked. I mean, would it be insane if Flayed Men were seven points? Can I just? Uh, I'm curious. <laughs> yes, Zorse Riders be <laughs> yeah. damned. I mean, Zorse Riders need need a buff. That's just the truth of things. Three three, three dice on one rank is is uh. It's three just, dice. Uh, I believe you mean four. <laughs> I don't think so. Isn't it three? It's well, three, oh no, I thought you meant they lose three. No, they lose four. Oh. Okay, yeah, we're both right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, three dice on one rank with a unit with a five-up save and seven morale. They're going to get taken to one rank a lot, and that just seems so tricky. I, you just have to be a, a gosh darn genius to use them, I think. Yeah, which but is, those abilities are very powerful, so I guess I can understand like the hesitation to make them better than they are. Sure. No, just give them give them slightly better one rank. That would help a ton. And six morale. You have to factor, you know, the, the you have to factor how they look because you know coolness factor is worth a point. Got to pay for so. that. Yeah. Look at the flight. <laughs> it's a premium. Yeah. It's like gap insurance. <laughs> the blade men had their time twice. They had their time twice. It's time to move yeah. on. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, one thing I do want to point out about this list, uh, if anyone noticed. The entire list of all these units and their percentages is all Stark and or neutral, which could then go into Stark. Well, are you saying um, Starks are really powerful? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> I'm saying they're the best, which I guess could translate into saying they're very powerful. I was trying not <laughs> to say that directly. <laughs> They yeah, are very good. They were just some standout numbers, honestly. I don't think that they're I don't think that, that means that those are the most winning maybe. Or maybe they are. They're just numbers. But you're right. Everything all is just numbers. Or, or neutral. Um are we, are, are, we could probably move we on moving to on? the the best part, which is uh 
uh, factions in general. So, uh, Brett, if you want to take this one away. Um, yeah. I think uh, the, the first number might be actually surprising. The house with the current highest winning percentage without uh, mirror matches is Lannister at 56%. Uh, followed by Stark at 55%. Baratheons at 52%. Night's Watch, 51%. Threefold, 45%. And oh my, the, the poor Targaryens, 14%. Yikes. So I just realized, is neutral not on... Did no one run neutral or? Uh, I think I think there is a neutral player. They're just all the way at the bottom, so we don't talk about them. No, they're actually not. They're no, I don't think so. I think doing really well. Seventeenth place. Success. I was kidding. Uh, Dave, be careful looking and twenty. Be careful looking at those stats right now because some of those people have played five games. So they've moved up in the ranks. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Not an actual accurate representation. Wow. I, think, I was wondering uh, why I got bumped down so much. That makes sense. Yeah, I think ORJ Bill, which is literally outer rim job Bill, is really fucking funny, <laughs> is, uh, is the leading Stark player, or the leading neutral player. And as we all know, um, if we're using measuring sticks, uh, John Hurley is a pretty decent Stark player. Really good. I think we can all agree he's a very solid Stark player. And ORJ Bill did knock uh, John Hurley out. So uh, he is, it's showing 17th, but there are two people that have played two games, or that, that have played their round five games. So their numbers don't necessarily interpret into accurate numbers. So it looks like he would be around 15th place going into this round. Looks like there's like eight you can people do that have played five games. Yeah, but there's two that have played five games that are bumped up into. Oh, the top I, I, I see what you're saying. So, Vicky321, who is an excellent player, I played her round one, and uh, Salitfa have played five games. So, because their tournament points have gone up, they've moved up in the rankings as a result. So, those don't necessarily reflect their actual standing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, so I guess that still goes back to my original question. Uh, You is uh, if you should ask where neutrals went. (laughs) Maybe their percentage is so great that it wasn't fair to put them on there. Uh, I think you might actually find that um, (laughs) the tournament in Paris indicated that the neutrals overall, as what they didn't win, but overall as a faction, they had the highest winning percentage. So if we, I'm just taking a glance here, and I see ORJ Bill, and then there's a, the Codfather, who is currently sitting at 20, but again, those two numbers are misleading. And they are the only two new... Uh, there's, here's one down here. Uh, Bolton Skincare is at uh, 53. But And then... Uh, I love that Steve man's Ambrose. name. 
It's the best name in the tournament yeah, it's for sure. Incredible. I actually, I'm in a Discord with him. He's an incredibly cool guy. I, I hope he wins the him. tournament. He is an absolute pleasure to play. Uh, I hope he bites you next, Brett, and knocks you out. Yeah. So it looks. <laughs> is it four neutral players? Yeah, I think, it, I, think I think it is four, it, Brett. Yeah, I think at the end of it, you might find that their average plate. And, and their win percentage, it might be higher than you think. They're, while they're not um, necessarily perennial tournament winners, uh, neutral players will bust your face. So, I'm just sure. saying. That tactics deck that. is so strong. The tactics deck that I that I dared to uh, to diss on one of the shows, and then I was yeah, and then you looked at it. Uh, Carlos like, oh, wait. <laughs> Carlo is saying neutrals have a 52% win rate, so they're doing better than free folk. So that's actually uh, so that better puts, than free folk and nice watch. That puts so. pretty much every faction though in the like 50-ish percent win rate. Uh, minus free folk and Targaryen. Okay, yeah, sorry. Well, still they weren't that far off, right? Where were they again? 45. Uh, so pretty close. They're all pretty close, and then there's a somewhat steep drop off to free folk at 45, percent and well, then that's the poor like a, that's like a 10 percent difference. That's really like not that bad, all things considered, yeah. in my opinion. I think when you're looking at the numbers, it's probably a pretty steep drop off, though. So there's 64 players. We are in round four, so that's 256 games. So a 10 percent difference would be 25 games. Well, that also depends on how many games the uh, free folk have played and lost. Well, they're without me in the so don't question me right now, okay? I'm not the numbers <laughs> man. I expect you to be, Mr. Beards. Yeah, I oh, think but... I think in this instance, the, the 10% is probably a little bit bigger than, than what it seems. But Targaryen's at 14%. I mean, man. Uh, so, I mean, all things considered, uh, they really don't have a lot of tools, as I think we've already kind of mentioned in other shows. So that's going to kind of directly affect their performance. Now, uh, do you guys know, is the Hero Box uh, available for this tournament? I forget if that was uh, addressed. <laughs> It's not. Unsullied or available, the hero box is not. Okay. So, yeah, without the hero box, even with the unsullied, without the hero box, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, overcome, you know, the amount of options that all the other factions have and how well-rounded a lot of them are. And the Targs only having, you know, the, the... starter box and then the unsullied and then obviously you still have all the neutral options but I mean I don't know I I think that definitely uh, factors into why the percentage is so low that and I mean I think there's only three Targaryen players if I'm not mistaken so yeah that um, sounds right it's three or four 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 of them so I think that you know, will factor into it as well. Yeah, I know. I personally know a couple of these Targaryen players, and I know that 
I watched their I either watched their games or closely followed their games, and um, some of them were just one big play away from from running away with that game. So while they may not necessarily be there as a faction right now, they're not too terribly far off. Um, I think they're just a little bit less forgiving. So when a when a Stark unit, for example, maybe fails a charge, you've probably got some other ways to, to recover that. Uh, Targaryens might be lacking that right now, so that one failed charge uh, translates into really bad business. I know Carl had an instance where he was playing, and he rolled a one for a charge and was unable to kill a giant, and he had overrun in hand. And had he not rolled that one for the disordered charge, um, he would have killed the giant and overran into the other giant that only had one wound left. Uh, as a result of that disordered charge, both giants lived with five wounds done to them and proceeded to very angrily destroy the uh, poor horse people. So <laughs> they, they've been a little bit closer than what you think. I've played against Targaryens. They're definitely not a terrible army. I think the problem is they're just very unforgiving for those those uh, very odd instances where, you know, you roll a one for the charge or you whiff on the attack, and they, they just don't necessarily have the tools to recover from that right now. Well, uh, something else I wanted to mention, too, is I, I kind of feel that they don't really have a way to hold down tokens outside of a 10-point unit, which is not solid. So I think that also is a hindrance to him right now. Um, that's that's my opinion on it, but because I feel I feel like if they had something that could hold down tokens better, um, they'd be better off. I mean, obviously, like in games like Dance of Dragons or or not even that, uh, what is it Fire and Blood? Like Fire and Blood, like they're fine, you know, because it's a straight combat pretty much. But anything with like holding down tokens, I think they're gonna struggle a bit. Um, one, because they're likely to be outactivated, and two, I think the only real contender to hold down tokens is going to be the Untullied right now, which is, a ten, again, 10-point model, or 10-point unit, so. I think they're nine. Yeah, the, Are they nine? I thought they were um, ten. Are they nine? Mm-mm. Yeah, they're nine, I think. The yeah, Dothraki veterans are ten, I think. But Correct. still, two pretty expensive units when you don't have that many units to pull from. Yeah, and you're gonna, and you know, chances are they're gonna be out activated, for right now at least. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, once they get uh, a couple more units in their hero box, I think, you know, things are definitely gonna change quite a bit in that, uh, in that aspect. But, um, I think uh, we can kind of move on, talk, uh, talk about kind of the last uh, part of the updates, which would be uh, the top four players currently, which are all undefeated. Uh, first place currently after four rounds, I believe, what, there's six rounds total. So uh, they have two more games to play. Uh, first place is Starks, then second place Baratheons, third place Free Folk, and fourth place Starks. Um, to be totally honest, not very uh I'm not really that surprised uh i if I remember correctly when we did our episode of uh how we ranked the factions, I ranked them as stark free folk then baratheon uh and you know so I guess 
me personally, I'm not really surprised at uh, a lot of the, you know, what we're seeing in the top, let's see, top eight or top ten even. We're looking at Stark, Baratheon, Free Folk, Stark, Night's Watch, Baratheon, Baratheon, Stark, Lannister, Stark. Granted, I guess we have to keep in mind two of those players have played five games, which is one is Night's Watch player and one's Baratheon. Um, but even if we then go to 11th and 12th, uh, if we don't factor those two, it's an, it's another Night's Watch and Baratheon. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not too surprised by that that kind of faction ranking as top four either. I, I think right now Starks, Baratheons, and Free Folk just have the most amount of tools in their toolbox to kind of deal with a wide variety of problems uh, really effectively. Um, it's uh, they're all just so, particularly Baratheons right now, where they have two two heroes boxes. Uh, the different loyalties synergizing really well with each other. Harma bears are so strong with free folk right now, and and in the high activation game is just very prominent and very effective. And of course, Stark with their with their usual crazy high activation just aggressive, can't do anything about it, kind of. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they're yeah. just really good factions right now. And I think also, uh, and I, I could be totally wrong about this, but, you know, tournaments are played with two lists. And I actually think that's a big part of why these factions are doing so well. I, I think with Night's Watch, things kind of get a little homogenous. Uh, in terms of what you're kind of bringing to the table with different commanders. I mean, you could go like a high trackers, awful, or you could do a little bit more like Jon Snow attrition healing. But I don't know. There's not, in my opinion, not like that many super different ways to play that faction. I think Lannister is, is feeling a little dry right now in terms of what kind of tricks it can bring to the table and having two different lists that are very different other than just running the, the normal, like you have your faith attrition list and then you have some kind of like control list or aggro list. Uh, neutral obviously is in a, in a, in a weird boat. Um, I don't know. It just feels like free folk Baratheon and Stark right now just have the best, ability to make two very different lists that can counter very different things very effectively. Uh, and I, I think that's why they're doing really well. It just. Yeah. And on the same note, uh, I do want to mention there, even though, you know, free folk is uh third place right now, I am a little surprised with uh, that. There's not more free folk within like the top, uh, I think the next one is 19th place. So I am surprised that there's not more free folk, like even in like the top 10 or top 12 or whatever. Uh, I don't think there's that many free folk players in the tournament, to be honest, uh, for at least from what I've kind of noticed. I haven't really like t taken a look at every single player in the tournament, but I just feel like I haven't seen that much free folk relative to just like, just an insane amount of Stark and Night's Watch, like and Baratheon, like. Uh, so I, th I think that could be part of it too. To be honest, if there was more Free Folk Harma players, that they might be doing a little better. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I think the interesting not... thing. 
Go ahead, Britt. I was just going to say, I think I think the interesting thing is if you look at the table the table pairings, um, no matter how things shake out in round five, Starks are in the finals. So it's pretty interesting just by by coincidence or by fate that uh, there's a Stark on Stark match for table two. So no matter what, Starks are on table one for the finals. It's really interesting. Seems like it's their tournament to lose. No, that is a good question, though. Um, wh- is it going by seeding, or is it going by ranking? Because uh, seeding would make sense, because then, cause first playing fourth uh, would be Stark-Stark, but if it's by ranking, Stark would play Baratheon, Free Folk could play Stark, and then technically both Starks could lose. So I'm guessing well, if both Starks I... are on the same table, then it's... Uh, it might be the seating here's, pairing. Here's what I here's what I have for you. On table one, it is uh, Baratheons versus uh, Free Folk, both undefeated. Uh, table two is Stark versus Stark, which is why I say Starks are in the final no matter what. And then table three is Stark and Baratheon. Table four is Lannister with the High Sparrow and Joffrey versus Stark. Uh, and then table five is neutral versus Baratheon. So according to the table pairings, the neutrals are actually in the top ten currently. So if you go by the table pairings, it's Baratheon, Free Folk, Stark, 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 Baratheon, Lannister, Stark, Neutral, Baratheon. So. Interesting. So what do you think, uh, Justin, about uh... – kind of what's shown in the top uh, lists. I mean, I kind of, <clears throat> I guess, no, it makes sense to me. I think Baratheons and Starks obviously should be there right now. Uh, I'm actually really happy about neutrals. You guys keep keep on keeping on, my friends. I feel bad for you, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't really have much more to say about it than you guys, and I don't like kicking dead horses. I think I think while we have the the gentleman on our show, one of the biggest surprises for me out of this tournament is just how well Joffrey is actually performing as a commander because I think mostly across the board he is dismissed as a pretty terrible commander. So I, I wanna pick I wanna pick Nick's brain for all of our listeners as well. Nick Dude, why is Joffrey so good? Um the the Lancaster player who's, <laughs> who's up there is running Joffrey as well. So I know that you're committed to to running Joffrey for every match. Why why is Joffrey working out so well? Is it because he's a Baratheon? Is it his cards? Because he's a Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> I all right. I, I think a couple of reasons. I think because he's pretty underplayed, and so people don't really understand all of his mechanics. So I think he ends up being this kind of sleeper pick that, you know, definitely takes players by surprise. Um, I think one thing I've definitely learned is cards at first glance to me, I've just to preface this, I haven't really played Joffrey before this tournament. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to tackle this kind of, you know, ice and fire stats tournament from the perspective of like, let's get some stats in the system that there isn't 
too many of. So that's why I kind of ran with like a not high sparrow or like kind of very commonly played commander. And I was like, I'm just going to play Joffrey every single round, no matter what, and just see what the, what the heck happens. Um, but yeah, I think he's underplayed. And so I think people don't quite know what to do with him sometimes and are, aren't expecting the like free maneuvers and, uh, and all the damage. Um, at, at first I thought his cards were really bad. But if you end up playing them later in the game, like particularly like you can use his like free panicked panic test to just like knock someone, you know, off an objective and, and feast for crows or or, you know, get them to uh, to fail a panic test at a very crucial point. Um, those tokens that you take in return sometimes don't really matter if it's late enough in the game that they can't really use those condition tokens very actionably. So I, I do think his cards are actually really strong uh, if you if you kind of save them for the right moments. Uh, and I think running him, you almost have to run him with two knights of Castle Rock, and all of a sudden you just have this like extremely fast, extremely hard hitting, uh, kind of outmaneuvering uh, Lannister list that that just pumps out damage and. It's it's hard to ignore. You kind of have to put your focus on one of those units, and if you keep them all kind of clustered together, you just kind of break through a lot of front lines. So uh, I just think it's a really fun kind of weird sleeper kind of list and sleeper commander that that uh, as I've been playing. So I I I uh, the first two games I played in the tournament uh, I lost. And now I'm just, I think I've gotten crushing victories every time now that I've kind of figured it out a little bit. Because <laughs> um, it just took me forever to remember, oh, right, Joffrey also has counterattack. He's got like six abilities. He's really hard to kind of keep him in your head. Um, but once you kind of really figure him out, I think he's, he's yeah, I think he's really fun and, and really hard to deal with. Oh, and he's good with Tycho too. <laughs> yeah, you're you're responsible for two out of the seven Tycho wins. So Great. I just want to point that out again. <laughs> you're representing Team Tycho really well. <laughs> so one thing I do want to point out um for first place uh the Stark player. Uh definitely rooting for him simply because he has one of his list has blackfish commander um gonna go over his list real quick kind of you know give a rundown of what uh some of the top lists are we have uh holland um okay that's a little confusing so he labeled his list opposite so his list holland has tully commander and his brendan blackfish is holland Anyways, so um, you got uh, Berserkers with uh, Blackfish Commander. Then you have Sworn Shields with uh, Rickon and Osha. Shaggy Dog, uh, Tully Sworn Shields, Tully Cavaliers, Sansa, Varys, and Catelyn. So some pretty, uh, you know, strong stuff. And then other list is... Uh, Sworn Swords with Bran and Hodor, Summer, the uh, Stormcrow Mercenaries with Rickon and Osha, Shaggy Dog, 
Stark Outriders, Cranaman Trackers with a Warden, and House Tully Sworn Shields with Mira. Then you have Howland Reed, Arya Stark, and Walder Frey. So two very solid lists. Uh, definitely not surprised with seeing those lists that, you know, uh, doing so well. Then uh, for second place, the Baratheon player is running uh, a Roar Faithful with a Bolton Flare, a Roar, uh, a Faithful with a Bolton Flare, uh, Plain Wardens, Plain Wardens, Stormcrow Archers with a Lieutenant. That's pretty cool to see uh, a top list with uh, some Archers in there. Uh, Axel Florent, uh, Melisandre, and Shira. And then the other list is Rose Knights with uh, Friendly Baratheon, the charismatic, uh, charismatic heir. Rose Knights, Rose Knights, Bastards Girls with Brienne, uh, the free attachment one, the blue. Uh, Eldon Estremont, Lord Varys, and Walder Frey. Again, two very strong lists. Um, you know, a lot of faithful and Rose Knights in there. I'm curious to know between uh, those lists uh, or between those two players, how many times they each each used uh, each list, because you know they could be like Nick and not use the other lists, <laughs> which can kind of <laughs> you know you know you could be like, oh man, this list looks awesome, and he's four and zero, oh, and you find out that well, well never he used didn't it, use yeah. that list at all, <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, you could have, like, that troll that, like, has this amazing list and then just, you know, their second list is, like, a, a dummy list that they don't ever plan to play that has a bunch of, you know, conscripts and nothing else. <laughs> well, I know... Uh, I know Lark is the first place player. I don't know him personally, but he is a friend of the friend of the show, so Yannick Burr from Germany. Larks is uh, a good friend of his, so I'm pretty familiar with his list. I've actually played against his Howland list. It's, <laughs> it's a really good list, so I'm not surprised to see him rank so high. Um, he is one of the top players in Germany and debatably one of the best Stark players uh, worldwide, so not not overly surprised to see him doing so well. Now, uh, that does bring up a good question. Uh, we'll start with you, Brett, uh, since you've already kind of mentioned that um, out of your four games, uh, how many of them have been, like, among, like, the more, like, uh, the higher-ranked players? So my first game was against uh, Vicky, actually, the uh, Baratheon player who's currently sitting at sixth place. Uh, again, she's played five games, but she was a fantastic opponent. Um, I think it more or less was a bad draw for her, which is why our game was, was one-sided. Um, she played the five warden list against me, and I had Rob, so basically I was able to retreat from those wardens and just disorder their charge every time they tried to charge me. So uh, she never got to play Hold the Line or Stag's Resilience or any of her cool cards. Uh yeah, I kind of played like a bitch. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I basically retreated Rob the entire game. Uh, that was just simply a bad draw. Um, and then round two, um, 
Or did I, I? Who did I play round two? Now I'm feeling terrible. Let me come back to oh, round two was Mr. Fox. Uh, and Mr. Fox is currently ranked. I'm looking for it. I probably sold past him. Yeah. Um, he is another Stark player. Um, it was a really close match, a really good, a really good and fun game. Uh, round three, I actually lost to um, Bob Bernard. He's currently ranked 18th. That was the secret mission. Um, he just played the mission really well. Um, he ended up using a swift advance with his uh, Kranigman with Ricken, and by passing on the free shot, uh, it was a play I kind of didn't see coming, and he was able to jump ahead of me 8-4 to four going into our last round, so it was just a hole I couldn't come out of. And then, as I've alluded to, my last game was Jason Zeri. He's currently ranked 28th. But again, you have to keep in mind that some of these guys have played five rounds. So Jason is going to end up being a, one of the top percentage players, and, and he's another fantastic player. And uh, I think just the, the very end of the game, that, that move with the Berserkers ended up closing it out for me. But all of my matches have been pretty close. And I can't say enough good things about all of my opponents. I haven't had one argument, one negative issue at all. Everyone I've played has been really friendly, really gracious. We've had a nice conversation after the game. And uh, it's just another it's just another time for me to give a shout-out to the community for just how friendly all of these guys are and, and how strong this community is at bonding together and making everything a, a pleasurable experience. Yeah, I would definitely uh, second that, Brett. I mean, uh, I definitely can't speak to whether the players I've played against are like, you know, big time, like tournament grinders or, or what have you. But every every player I've played against in this tournament has been a, a really good player. And I've had a really positive, good experience playing with them and, and hanging out with them. I mean, that was kind of my second part of why I really wanted to play in the tournament was... Like I said, one, I wanted to try a commander that was, wasn't was the most played to kind of help the whole Ice and Fire stats, you know, kind of ag- aggregate and, and see where things really stack up. Uh, and the second was just, you know, people outside of our own gaming club and get to play against other players in Europe and, and elsewhere that, or, you know, all over our, our massive country of ours that I wouldn't normally get the opportunity to play against unless, you know, chances you know chance would have it that i played with them at like gen con or some other big kind of national tournament uh and uh yeah it was just use this opportunity to meet new players and 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 kind of get to experience uh the social side of things and and uh, it's been a really great experience so far and every game i've played has been really fun and 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 there's been no kind of gaminess or salt it's just been it's been good times so Awesome. So yeah, I can't wait to kind of see how everything you know unfolds. We still got, uh, I believe, two more rounds uh, for most people. I know some people have played their fifth round already, but there's six total. So mm-hmm. uh, we should know uh, in a couple weeks, I believe. Um, uh, you know who uh, takes the whole you know whole thing. Um, I know I'm definitely you know rooting for the Starks, but I wouldn't be you know 
surprised if any of these uh, undefeated uh, players takes it. You know, they're all strong lists and strong uh, armies. Um, so I'm going to kind of close out there. Uh do have uh, a bunch of shout-outs. Um, as always, support your local uh, game shops. Make sure, you know, you are, if you're able to, you know, call them, email them, do whatever you can to support them. Uh, especially, you know, right now, you know, with, uh, you know, everything kind of still being shut down in some places, you know, they might not be able to, you know, pay the bills. So just do whatever you can uh, to kind of help them out. Um, Another thing I wanted to uh, uh, shout out is recently I got um, custom uh, terrain made. It's two, you know, it's 2D terrain, uh, but it's made on the surface of mats. Uh, so like the same material, like you would have a mouse pad or your gaming mat, or, um, you know, if you play card games, like uh, your card mat. So they, uh, made custom terrain sets for me. So it's all the different terrain, you know, the weirwood trees, the corpse piles, every piece that, uh, comes in the starter boxes, uh, they made for me and they chose different images just, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, not have it be identical to Simon stuff, but it's identical in shape. Uh, I got my stuff in, and it is amazing. Uh, I've played one game with it, and the reason uh, I got it was because the bottom is in a rubber textured. If you're playing on a mat already, uh, it kind of grips the mat, preventing it uh, from, you know, moving a lot more than the the cardboard ones will. Um, very affordable uh, price. So uh, the people who make it is playmats.eu. Uh, so definitely uh, check them out. Uh, I'm not sure if they have it on their um, site just yet, but uh, they said that they'd be putting it up there soon. And if they don't have it on their site, just give them, uh, you know, just email them, and I'm sure they can work with you the way they worked with me to get uh, a bunch of sets. And then even if, uh, you know, you don't want that or maybe you want that and you want something in, uh, in addition, uh, they can pretty much make anything uh, that you want uh, custom-made, like shape, sizes, uh, for, you know, for out-of-the-mat material. So definitely uh, if you're if that sounds, you know, interesting to you, um, and you'd like a set, you know, send them an email, and uh, I'm sure they'd uh, love to have you as a customer. Um, how about uh, you, Brett? Do you have any uh, shout-outs you want to do? Uh, yeah, I want to I wanna personally thank uh, Mickey and Carlo for putting together some of these stats that we've given you. Um, number crunching is really hard, and it's uh, – it's pretty time-consuming, so we definitely appreciate them giving us those stats to give us basically the meat of our show today. Uh, also, they're they're running this event, and, and they're honestly tracking these stats to better the community and give some solid numbers to back up some things that people are either claiming are underpowered or overpowered. So I really, really like the idea of the stats page. So if you haven't registered, uh, you should definitely go ahead and register and 
add your numbers. If you see your favorite commander isn't doing well, then register and add some of your wins to help that commander pull their stats up. Um, always want to send a shout-out to Family Time Games and their website. And uh, as Dave said, any of the local game stores. And, uh, of course, our guest Nick is a store owner as well. So uh, Mythico Studios has the live stream on Thursdays, which is always entertaining and fun. The Random List Builder Challenge is particularly exciting. And uh, they have some great content, some really friendly guys. And then Nick has the web store as well. And I'm sure he's going to shout himself out, but I'm just going to totally steal that away from him. Oh. <laughs> yeah. he, does, he does 3D printing as well, so he's got a lot of cool stuff going on out there in, in Jersey. So uh, thanks for coming on, Nick. Oh, you're really welcome. And thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. This is really fun. Yeah, no problem. And then if there's anything you wanted to shout out, whether to be reiterate anything Brett just said or anything uh, in addition, uh, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess, I mean, Brett already kind of was about as thorough as you can be. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say, I mean, really, you know, I know we're in this kind of time of social distancing and there's not too many kind of physical uh, ice and fire tournaments going on right now. But if you are a local game store, or if you're kind of a community leader in your club and you're considering running tournaments in the future or, or events, I mean, really consider using Ice and Fire stats to kind of run that tournament or kind of use it to populate stats from your event. I mean, this IceandFireStats.com has become, I think, a really helpful resource for the whole community to really see where their factions kind of stand and and see, you know, help them. And, you know, we're playing in this tabletop uh, simulator time, right, where we all uh, we essentially have access to every model in the game. But, you know, if you're a new player and you're trying to figure out how to spend a couple hundred dollars, you know, these kinds of websites are really helpful to help you make more informed decisions before you end up buying and painting and, and kind of converting models that you realize may not be quite uh, quite as easy to use or as, or as kind of meta successful. So, you know, these sites can even save you a lot of money by kind of helping you make informed purchases on what kind of models are, are fun and good to play with in the current kind of uh, meta of the game. So, you know, this is a good community resource and, and everyone should, I think, uh, submit their game results to uh, Ice and Fire Stats to kind of help us all better understand the game. And uh, that's that's all I'd like to say. Awesome. And then, uh, yeah, I just wanted to do another couple uh shout outs before we end here um so we do have on our page on our facebook page we have a comment uh or a uh, post where you can comment a guess of what the spoiler um or the the po the ominous post we posted prior to that uh <laughs> with the g the the gif was so um, if you haven't commented on there, the guess, uh, whoever guesses it right, gets a unit box of their choice of any unit box they want. Even if it's not released yet, uh, we will, as soon as it is released, uh, we will get it to you. Um, or if there's one that's already out, we'll get that for you. Uh, so definitely, if you haven't commented on there, definitely uh, find that post uh, on our Facebook page and um you know, comment what you think uh, your guess is uh, for that. And, you know, the first person to guess it will 
will win. So make sure you're looking at the other comments because you don't want to guess something that someone else has already um, done. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to, uh, you know, point out is that, you know, the reveal is going to be coming soon of what that surprise is, but I uh, can't necessarily say when or what it is, but just know that it's coming. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys are excited just as much as uh, we are. So with that, I'm uh, going to end the show. Thank you, you know, to my co-host and to our guest for coming on. Uh, definitely can't do the show without uh, all you guys, and I appreciate uh, that you guys come on and, you know, that we can, you know, provide this for uh, all the listeners out there. Um, thank everyone. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening. You know, we do this for you guys. Remember to like and share the show out. Uh, that's definitely the best thing you can do for us at the moment um, to kind of get the word out there that we uh, do this show every single week on Tuesday, 8 uh, p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, and then if you can't make the live show, uh, you can always find our recorded shows on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, and, uh, the of course, the site that we uh, do it live on is Blog Talk Radio. Um, and yeah uh oh yeah and you know if you want to help us out in any other way just you know we're thinking about uh patreon but probably not uh probably not anytime soon so you know like i was saying uh like and share the page for now and we'll keep you updated on maybe like a patreon maybe after we've been doing this for a long time and even then uh, the Patreon would be just to, you know, give out more prize support to you guys because we definitely like doing that. Um, you know, we have some uh, cool prizes coming along the way. We might start doing some raffles and uh, just, you know, anything we can to get more product out to you guys, you know, because, you know, we do this all for you. So thank you all again for listening in. And uh, this is the Small Council, and it is dismissed. <laughs>